0: Welcome to the Journey of an Esthete, a comprehensive examination of all things aesthetic, the arts, the humanities, and what it means to be human. Ben Mahaffey. Yes? Robin Mahaffey, this is uh, Mitch Hampton from the podcast Journey of an
1: Esthete. Yes, hi. How are you doing? Pretty good. It's good to have It was a good day here. Lovely weather. Um, yeah,
0: it's, it's been a good day here too. It's a little on the cool side, but you know, that's, it's sprain. And as uh, my friend Jane LaCroix remarks, sprain is basically winter with makeup on. So it's to be expected. (laughs) Um, well, basically, you know, on our show, we do a little introduction where we praise the guest and talk about all their many talents uh, and what they've accomplished. And you're no exception. Um, I guess I, uh, some, of our, some of our guests, I guess we know personally, uh, some of we've never met. Um, in your case, uh, you're a friend of our producers, uh, Laurie, mm-hmm. correct? Correct. So I think it would be best if we start um, to say that, you know, you're multi-talented. And as far as I know, you are not only a seamstress um, and a needlepoint, uh, expert, right?
1: Well, not so much needle point, but that's a whole, you know, separate category within okay. the needlecraft itself. Needlecraft. I have done.
0: Yeah. Well, but you also a photographer. You also. So I guess what I'm saying is you work in many mediums. Um, yeah. So so many that I'm sure we we may not even be able to get to all of them in this episode. I don't know, but um, you're quite accomplished um, in these these different mediums. And I guess usually on our show we start off with how, um, in an individual artist, how they come to learn about what they what they master, what they get good at over time. And in your case, uh, if we're doing a linear chronology, what would um, where would you like to start um, with all this?
1: Well. When I was a young girl, my grandmother and my mother were always doing something—sewing or knitting or
0: crocheting—and
1: mm-hmm. I just followed along in their footsteps.
0: So for you, it was actually in the home. So you were. So I guess what what it was is you were seeing other people in your family uh, crocheting and knitting. But what would you? So what would would do? You mind if uh, saying? I think the first moment maybe is when you were a child I have no idea that you successfully knitted something for the first time or learned how to do it do you mind talking about a little bit about that or
1: No not at all I must have been 8 or 9 Okay and well my sister was on the way and everybody was busy making all these little things and I said well I want to do some too so my mother sat down and she showed me how to knit. Okay. And first project was full of holes and dropped stitches, but yeah. you know she's very patient and she fixed it and gave it back to me. And I knit yeah. and I think I made a little—I don't know—square for a doll or something.
0: Yeah. So you made it. You made a doll, but you remember it was a square.
1: Yeah, it was just like a little blanket for a
0: doll or
1: something. Blanket for a and doll. Then, okay. Yeah, I crocheted. I think I made my troll doll an outfit uh-huh.
2: because
1: troll dolls were real popular when I was young. So I, yeah. I made an outfit for my troll doll.
0: Well, when would this this been era wise in terms? Well, first of all, location wise, you are you in you in Maryland,
1: right? I grew up in Delaware.
0: Delaware. And this was in a rural setting, right? Kind of fa- farm yeah. country? We lived on a farm. What kind of farm was it?
1: Um, a gentleman's farm. My grandfather worked for the Pennsylvania Railroad for 50 years. But wow. he had a 100-acre hun- farm. Okay. And when my parents got married, they gave my parents an acre of land within that farm. And my mom and dad built a house. Wow. and
0: that was in like 1960. Wow. So do you mind talking for just a couple minutes on about the railroad because I know that that was a very uh that was something that Pennsylvanians were proud of, right? And it was a major um yeah. a kind of a big deal. Do you mind talking just a we'll get to get to the the that's, netting, but I think it's, it's important because I think our listeners might learn something about that. What do you what, what comes to mind when you talk about the railroads and your, um, at that time?
1: Well, it was just, he worked off through the depression, so he was very happy about that. He had a job, yeah, and he, he just stayed with it, and he was a machinist. He wow. fixed the engine, and he could look at a screw, and he could tell you exactly what kind of screw it was, and how it was threaded, and how big it was, just by looking at it. He was he was a wizard at fixing things. So he was able to fix all the tractors that he used on the farm. But, you know, he just, he was amazing. He could fix lots of things.
0: Uh, did he fix it? What kind of things did he fix, say, around the house? Never mind for, for work or labor, for a wage. But what were some things that you remember that, you you guys got into a pickle there in the house or something broke down and, and amazingly he seemed to fix Well, it. What was if it?
1: the car went down, he was the first person he went to to ask to fix to work on the engine of the car. Uh-huh. He could fix the tractors. He could fix the lawnmowers.
0: Well,
1: Anything mechanical. Anything he was mechanical. very good with it.
0: So I guess that was something that he was good at. But uh, So I guess alongside his his world... I guess the father's world. You had your own world of knitting and crocheting. So, so what would you say the relationship was between these two, these two worlds? I guess they're, I guess they're linked by using your hands, right? I guess handcraft
1: and figuring out how to make something work. You know, if, if there was a piece of farm equipment uh-huh. that something would arrive with it, he could figure out how to. Put stuff together and like jury rig is an expression mm-hmm. that he would use that he could he could just make it work.
0: Yeah, I guess that was pretty important depending upon what it was. You know, if it, if involved um, I guess if it involved right. food or or people eating, I'm sure that's pretty important. And he always
1: grew a big garden.
0: Oh wow! He
1: always had a large garden. He grew the best tomatoes. <laughs> And you got and,
0: you folks would eat that, right?
1: Oh yeah, my, and anything he grew, my grandmother would can and preserve and put up. What were
0: what were some yeah. of the ve- vegetables or fruits that you you folks enjoyed that he was able to, to give, give me some an example? Not to get too detailed, but it just fascinates me because this is awesome.
1: Oh, tomatoes, mm-hmm. corn, green beans, squash. Mm-hmm. There were apple trees on the farm wow. and some pear trees. Huh. So he would grow food for the people to eat and he also grew food to feed the animals that were on the farm. Wow. He would have he had um there was a dairy, we had a couple of dairy cows, because I remember as a young girl going out and helping milk, and then he'd carry the milk into the house, and my grandmother would, you know, take care of that. And we had a goat one time, but that didn't last too long. I don't I don't remember why. But uh, um, the goat didn't last she, too
0: long is because the goat didn't have a long life, or because why? I mean, what you know.
1: Um, I think it got out of its, its pen and it ate things it wasn't supposed to. Oh, uh, you mean got <laughs> like sick my, grandma, of food, bad my grandmother's food? Oh, wow.
0: I guess goats are sensitive animals, right? <laughs> I don't know much about the goat, but I guess they're
1: yeah, yes. they're very smart,
0: right. In what way? But it's a goat. You said a goat's very smart. What is an example of the intelligence oh, of a goat?
1: they can figure out how to get out of pens and fields and gates. They climb yeah. and they just go where they want to.
0: Okay. Yeah, I guess they get into mischief or travel from the from the humans' point of view. Yeah. yeah. Um. And
1: we had we had chickens and geese and ducks. And don't go in and collect the goose's eggs when they're sitting on them because they will chase you. Yeah. We'll learn that the hard way.
0: <laughs> Did you learn that as a, as a little girl, not to do that? or?
1: Oh, yeah. You go in when the when the geese are sitting on their nest, and you go and you take one of their eggs, oh, they will chase you.
0: Huh. So all this is going on and yet you're developing these other skills. So, I mean, I, I guess a troll doll, um, <laughs> I guess, I mean, it's funny, funny to you. I don't, I don't know. So, but what, I'm just interested, I guess, in the development. So when did you start developing, I guess, using those skills in, in other, with other results or other, other um, well, types of things? you know,
1: eight or nine, I started seeing what everybody was doing with the knitting and crocheting and the sewing. So I wanted to be a part of that. So I just yeah. picked up some things and learned how to do it. Um, I fashioned, because we had a pony. So I grew up riding horses most of my life. Okay. And I made harnesses for the ponies out of binder twine. I made a harness that so the pony could pull me around on the sled in the snow. I made a harness for the dog and hitched him up to the wagon. So when my grandfather was chopping wood, I would pick up the little pieces, the kindling pieces, and put them in the wagon and use the dog to haul the wagon back to stack the wood in the woodshed.
2: Hmm.
1: So if I needed something for the pony, I would usually just braid up some binders line. What? I was figuring out how to make things. Hmm.
0: Huh. Yeah, that's a that's a that's interesting because that's a you know of course the theme of our podcast is that everything that humans make well it it's made and you know it could be it could be something well known or something practical or something not so well known or um and so that's that's vitally important um so so you so, so there was also an equestrian aspect to, to that, to is what you're saying. Like, oh, yeah. A- yeah.
1: My grandmother put me on my first pony when I was two, and that was it. I just fell in love with it and just continued that for a big part of my life. Yeah. And she would let me ride the pony around and around in a small circle in the side yard next to the house. So much that there was a path worn out and there wasn't any grass right there in the middle of the yard. But she didn't care. She would sit there and she would be, you know, shelling peas or snapping beans or husking corn, or whatever. And there I'd be just riding around 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 in a circle. And yeah. she gave me some advice that I have used to this day. Yeah. And she said, sit up straight and pay attention to where you're going. Huh. So that can be applied to so many different parts of your life.
0: Sure, sure. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's certainly certainly true. Um, what what uh, that that phrase or that thing you remember? When did that? Uh, do you mind uh, while we're on the subject, thinking of other things in in, in your life later on? Were that very much applied? It could be. So a different art medium or different experience in life where that served served
1: um, you know. yeah. um I started playing the flute in bands when I was seven, so there you go, sit up straight and yeah. pay attention to what you're doing, so it came in handy then, so you know um when you're learning how to drive the car, sit up straight, yeah. and pay attention to what you're doing, yeah. I'm not able when you're to drive myself in. Sit yeah. up straight and pay attention to what you're doing. Pay attention to what that teacher's up there telling you.
0: Yeah. Um, so t- talk a little bit, if you don't mind, your development um, even further because you're, you're, now you're in band, so I guess you were doing music. Yeah. Um, but h- how did you – so it sounds like you're, you're – you're much more accomplished than I am. There's only a couple things I can do. You do hundreds of things. So to someone like myself, this is very um, almost overwhelming. Um, so what uh, what is it like to be able to do all these things? Or, or let me let me ask you this: um, How did you organize your time in terms of what was most important to you? What your focus? Where your focus went? In terms Whatever
1: needs done first. You know, if I needed a halter for the pony, that's what got done first, and everything else had to wait. So that's how I was. I was a teenager in the early 70s. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, hot pants and mini skirts were in fashion. Sure. And I was determined to. I made crocheted myself a pair of hot pants, and I was determined to wear them to school the next day. And I think I stayed up till three o'clock in the morning so I could finish them so I could wear them. That's beautiful.
0: You know, of course, I would love to see some archival photos of those if you have any, for that, for, that, for because that would that would be right down my alley.
1: Well, uh, yeah. in uh, about five years or so after that. I did wear them for a Halloween. I was a um, lady of the evening.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, you probably... I did.
0: So so not to interject, but would it be fair to say that you have a lot of 70s memorabilia or 1970s... um, Wow. Yeah. Wow.
1: That's like my favorite era. You know, like, I appreciate the music from that time more so. And, you know, I just... I have a tendency to trend towards those type of fashions. I have been called a hippie chick more than once in my life.
0: Yeah. Excellent. So is that when you got into photography or did that happen later?
1: No, my dad was really big into photography. He had his own dark room and he could Mm -hmm. develop all his own black and white pictures. Don't you dare go in there and touch any of his stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He wouldn't let to do that. And if you ever asked to borrow a camera, he would get, oh, just push this button and don't do anything else. Like, the camera's going to blow up or something. So um, when he died in 98, I got one of his cameras. And I said, all right, I'm going to figure out how to use it. He had given me a small little Kodak Ensomatic 104 when I was, I don't know, 13 or something. And I took all kinds of pictures of that. I took pictures of the cats, of the ponies, everything, you know, everything I could take a picture of, I did. So I'd give him the film when it was used up and he'd take it into town and he'd get the developed, bring me the pictures back. Yeah. But he would never sit there with me and say, oh, well, this is a good picture or you should have done. He never explained anything to me. He just handed me my pictures. So I never really knew anything about photography. Uh so when he got 98 i got one of his cameras and i said i'm gonna figure out how to use this so i signed up for a photography class at the community college yeah and i started taking this class and the instructor said you need to come take my full full full-length classes it was just a saturday class like four or five saturdays in a row she goes you're good you need to come take my other class so i signed up and i took another class and they said how would you like to be a teacher's assistant? I said, okay. So I started being a teacher's assistant. And then they said, how would you like to be um, the administrator of the program, work with the boss? And I said, okay. So I started being the administrator. Then it was like, um, so-and-so can't be here. How would you like to be a substitute teacher? I said, okay. So I did that. And then they said, how would you like to have your own class? And I said, okay. So I did that for 16 years.
0: Wow. So that's, so you, you've, you, you developed these, these different skills. So I guess, I guess what I'm, I'm going to, do you mind if I rewind a little bit because that, that's in the late nineties. So, um, what were you doing mainly in the 1980s or, or, um, say late seventies through 94, say that, that was your, was it? mostly? Um, hmm? Well, I had my daughter in 77, so I
1: was busy raising her. Okay. Um, when I went through my first divorce, I started working at General Motors building cars. I'll be done. And uh, built a wow. Chevette in the Wilmington plant in Delaware. So wow. did that for the years. And then I met my second husband and we got married. And then we moved to a little farm in Maryland yeah. and I bought horses again. So I was teaching my daughter how to ride, and I had these horses, and I trained them, and I started taking them to some shows again. Mm -hmm. And we did that for a while. My daughter got involved in Pony Club, so I helped her with that, and I helped the Pony Club people. So, And my daughter got in band, so then I was very much involved in the band. When she was in 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, I volunteered time at her school, and I helped the band director. So I helped the flute players. Yeah. Um, I learned how to play saxophone then, because I would sit with the saxophone players with their lesson, and learn from them. And then I learned from it. So, it was just fun. Yeah. So I was helping my daughter through school, and then raising the horses, and training them. Well, I, I, and in the mean, yeah, I was... Doing my sewing, and I I incorporated myself at one point because I did custom knitting and sewing for people.
0: Oh, excellent! So you people would want something made, and I guess you would make something personal personalized for them.
1: Right. I had a fellow who wanted a camouflage poncho for when he was out hunting. Okay. So I made that for him, and I put a special little pocket on the inside of it for his cigarette, so they wouldn't get wet. Right. <laughs>
0: Huh, that that that's fascinating. So I guess um, if you're if you're working actually in a, an assembly line for GM, that strikes me as a far cry from from being in in, in a kitchen table ma- sewing a, a dress or hot pants, or yeah. being on a horse. <laughs> these are all right. They, these are all very different uh, experiences of reality. So that's a well. And you've had a very, um, I should say, a very um. A, you might be the envy of a lot of people that have not had these experiences or even thought to even want to have such experiences.
1: Well, I was a, I was a single mother, and I had to earn money. And General Motors paid a lot of money, so.
0: They did. That's true. What, what was your feeling being in GM as opposed to other things you've done? Did you like? There were things about it I guess you liked or didn't like, or what, what comes to mind? I liked, I liked most of it. I had
1: a good time because I'm good with my hands. So the Boston found out that I could do jobs on the left side of the car as well as the right side of the car. Not too many people can do that. So yeah. I became a floater, is what they called it. So yeah. you would walk along, had maybe like 10 or 12 jobs all in one certain area. And that was your group. And each person would be working on the car and they would have a separate job. Well, they had to go go visit the bathroom or take a break. Somebody had to do that job because the cars don't stop; they just keep going. Right. So, someone had to fill in and do their job. So, I could do all the jobs on the lines, both the left side and the right side. Yeah.
0: So that was so. And how? And you did? So, yeah. Yeah, you did that for some years. With this, that would have been in the in the nineteen eighties, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, it has been like.
1: 81
0: 82 83. No. Wow. Yeah. 70, yeah, 80, 81, 82. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um how long did you how long did you do that? Till when?
1: About three years.
0: Uh-huh. How did you find you find find time? So I guess after doing that, you had to kind of fit other things in. But you said you said yourself that it was what it was always um. I guess necessity was the mother of invention, right? For you, would it be fair to say? Yeah. That? So mm-hmm. it's what needed to be done sooner than rather than later, or something coming later. Yeah. And I guess that's how you organized your, your, your work, I guess, or your. Uh, right. So I guess photography was something that happened rather rather late then, right?
1: Yes, Hopefully. it did. And you. Yeah, said- my daughter was already gone. You know, she was already out of the house. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And you know I started like I said my dad died in 98 so I got a camera then so it was like 99 I think I started
0: yeah. working at the school Well what comes to mind cuz you've talked about being interested in the flute and the band and taking photographs and and um sewing I guess that's a fair question to ask from my point of view is do you have a have something that's more you, more love than something else? Or is there some, or is there a first love? Or is there something that um, that you feel
1: well, comes to mind? If I haven't sewn anything for a while, and then I start sewing, and I say, oh, why, why haven't I done this more? I really enjoy doing this. And then I'll get sidetracked into another project and i say, oh, I haven't done this for a while. How come I haven't done this for a while? Yeah. I love this. So I, I love everything when I'm doing it.
0: I see. So, there, so this, so there's all, it's all satis, satisfy, satisfying to you, I guess. In the very, so uh, do you ha- do you get a, do you get a special pleasure from? Um, you talked about that that dude that was hunting. Uh, <laughs> do you um, enjoy making garments like that for people? Is that something that you that you enjoy?
1: I sort of specialized in doing unique things that people couldn't find anywhere else. Okay. So it gave me a sort of niche.
0: Yeah. And how how do you so, organize your? I guess I'm wondering how do you do you find deadlines helpful, or do you for yourself, or do you how does that?
1: It depends if it's for me or if it's for somebody else. If it's the deadline, if it's for somebody else. Mm-hmm. It sort of drives me to get it done. Yeah. If it's for me, sort to put it on the back burner and do
0: something for somebody else first. I see. I guess it's fair to ask too. Again, what what are some of the kind of fibers or yarns that interested you or, di- or do interest you? If we're talking about sewing, what were some of the materials that you like to use the most or or um would you say?
1: Oh. I I like things that have texture that feel good in your hand. Okay. So, um, you know, a nice cotton is always good to sew with. I don't do a lot of quilting. That was my mother and my aunt, her sister, that did that more so. And it was another, I don't want to say hobby, but another interest that you have to have all the giddy gadgets to go with it. And you know, there's only so much room. You can only have so much stuff. So you have to sort of draw the line somewhere. So I did not get into the quilting part. I did more um, sewing clothes. My daughter was very tall and very skinny. Mm-hmm. Kim, don't listen. She was very skinny when she was little. And it was very hard to find clothes to fit her. Mm-hmm. So there was a period of years there, three or four years, where I made all of her clothes. So she would
0: have something to wear. Everybody needs an anchor in life. You, me, just everybody. Anchor made this whole show possible. I'm immensely grateful to them. You too can use Anchor to make your own shows and create your own vision. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I mean, that's something you... you I guess you, uh, so this is interesting to me. So I would, I would guess um, we've only been talking for, I guess, uh, I don't know how long here. It's actually, I guess, a good half, close to going, coming on to a half hour. But I would guess that you're the kind of person who is really, uh, has a real, I guess, a gift of using your hands and being able to look at in an environment or a shape and recreate what you see in your mind's eye in space and time. Is that would that make sense? Or
1: yeah. Yes, a lot of times I do that. And for about 13 years, I was involved with a group of other very talented ladies, and we called ourselves the Ditsy Dolls. And we made soft-sculptured dolls, and they could be all different kinds of weird-looking things. It wasn't any one certain set. That you had type that you had to do, yeah. and that really gave me a lot of freedom to experiment with different um, types of things of how to create different things. Because I like to make like little dioramas for the doll, so it had to have something to sit on. So you have to make something for the doll to sit on, or it had to have something to hold in its hand, So you figured out how to make that, okay. or uh, make. I took a vase that I bought, not a vase, um, it was a shoe and it was a candle. It was like leftover Halloween decoration. Mm -hmm. And I turned that into a, I put wings on it. So it was a flying shoe that these dolls were sitting in. So, you know, you just take found objects and you figure out how to make it work and you, Going to the hardware store is fun because you look at all the stuff and think, yeah. oh, I could do that with the wire and I could
0: do that with that rope and I could uh, do that with those watchers. I don't know. Did you see it? I sent you some Red Groom stuff. I don't know what you. Was, I did. I looked
1: at it. He's amazing.
0: Well, I, I think you're a kindred spirit to him in some respect. I, I don't know why I think that. I, I But I, I don't That's
1: know. Was a sculpture, that, a picture of a sculpture that he did that you sent me? It was like. I don't know, a little doll riding a mermaid or something yeah. or and I was thinking, Whoa, that is that is like some of my weird doll things that I made. <laughs> that's right. I thought I thought there would be something to yeah. that, but I, if I the price that he did, he had like thirteen thousand dollars on that little sculpture and it wasn't very big. And I'm thinking, Oh, I got something like that over here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, see maybe maybe that's a that's a maybe you get some ideas with that. I don't know. But um yeah, I have, sort of.
1: Sometimes I, I have had dreams and they'll wake me up, and it's like I have to write it down before I forget. And then a lot of times I have to make it. I have yeah. to make what I thought in my dream so it'll get out of my head and leave me alone.
0: You know, you might be one of the few people I've talked to that made their own clothes at the peak of 70s fashion. Uh, And late, so you—I guess you made dresses in '70s styles for yourself, right? When you were—I suppose
1: I Uh, did, and I crocheted myself a lot of tops that I wore. Oh, um, a lot of pictures in the high school yearbook. Yeah, I'm. Oh, oh, yeah, I made that vest. Yep, I did that for those pants. I that made that hat. Yeah, there's a lot of things that I made.
0: Uh, how, How about later on when you were, of course, as an adult? Um. Uh, did you, will you, continue, do you continue to make things like that? or?
1: I haven't found so many clothes for myself lately. I mean, because yeah. I know I can and I just haven't because I've been busy doing other things. Sure. I moved into the house and I've been busy doing things for the house yeah. and doing things for other people. When COVID hit, oh, everybody needed ma- I kept the whole neighborhood sliding masks. Oh wow! Because <laughs> I couldn't find them anywhere. Sure. So I, I just made masks for everybody. That kept me busy.
0: I bet. I mean, I wonder how many, how how many masks would you say that you've actually made?
1: Close to three hundred.
0: Wow, that's beautiful. I mean, we are in strange times now. I guess if you, I guess if you're like yourself, I guess it's really, um, it's interesting to me because I think that if you. You're again, the when, I'm sort of, I, I use the word overwhelmed. That's not a um that's not a pejorative thing. It could be a positive thing. It's kind of like um horses and band and flute and knitting and hot pants and um And leather leathercraft. But i know, did a lot of leather work. Leather work. That's a whole isn't leather a fueled onto itself that's some. Um, I think so. Wow.
1: My dad would to do that, and he had all the tools and everything, and you would carve it out and use the different tools to um, to uh, bevel it and emboss it and make the design stand out. I made halters and bridles for my pony. Oh. I made uh, wristbands with my initials on it for myself. I made belts. I made wallets. I made coasters. I made all kinds of stuff.
0: Have you ever made suspenders or braces? No. Hmm. I bet you probably we could figure out pretty easily how. Yes. It
1: That's wouldn't be difficult.
0: That's interesting. I'm
1: sure I have the hardware here.
0: Wow. Well. <laughs> when you say hardware, what kind of setup do you have there, if I may ask? I mean what what um what are what are, well,
1: with- With my grandparents living through the depression, and my mom was born during the depression, you save everything. You know, when when a shirt becomes non-usable as a shirt, you cut the buttons off and you save them. And If a pair of pants don't fit anymore, or they've got holes in them, you cut the zipper out and you save them. So I have zippers and buttons and snaps and buckles, you know. You can go to the Goodwill, and you can buy a purse, and you take the straps off, and you use it for something else, or you use the buckles for something else. I mean, you, you just find those things. And surprisingly, a lot of people give me stuff. I have so much material that's been donated to me. Or, here, I don't know what to do with all these buckles. You take them. So I have, like, a whole drawer full of zippers, a whole drawer full of buckles.
0: Well, that's the hardware part, but I guess if we're talking about the software, I'm sure that even like a good shirt, if it's frayed, there's a part where the fabric's still good, right? And you could probably use, we use that for yeah. handkerchief or yeah. something. Or Have you done that as well? I'm sure you have, right? Here. Oh, yeah. You cut stuff up
1: and reuse it for for whatever you need.
0: Yeah. How do you organize your space? I mean, how do you keep all that sort of organized within your own
1: mind and and also space now used to be a a two-bedroom duplex somebody came along and they had an attached carport somebody came along and they closed in the carports and they took Mm -hmm. out a lot of middle walls the middle sections of the house and turned it into a Mm -hmm. daycare that was big and wide and open so my living quarters are on one side of the house, my bedroom and my like living room area and the kitchen is on one side of the house. And the other side, the whole other side of the house is my studio. I have a big cutting table. I have shelves. I have plastic drawers. I was gifted the beautiful cabinet. The friend was taking redoing a custom kitchen for this customer Uh And they didn't want the custom cabinetry, so I got it. So I have all these nice custom cabinets, and that holds all my supplies. So I have, you know, like my doll-making supplies together, my zippers are all together. And with my work table, I have cubbies underneath that supports my work table.
2: Yeah.
1: And all my material goes. So I have it all folded up, and it's in there by color. So everything's separated out by color. Um, My yarn is all separated out Mm -hmm. by all the acrylic yarn is together, all the baby yarn is together, all the the alpaca and the llama and the camel yarn is together, all the wool is together, all the wool blends are together, all the fuzzy, hairy, sparkly stuff is together. So I just have it all separated. I'm a bit of an organization freak.
0: No. Yeah, we're gonna, I or, or, find Uh or, or I should I should say, if I may interject here, organization is something I've never. Um, um my psych- psychiatric uh, evaluation I had in when I was turned fifty forty nine said I had a disorganized brain, naturally disorganized brain. Mm. Um, but I found ways to find organization even me in in my life, so I, I could appreciate. Um. I can appreciate. You know, my
1: my spices are alphabetized. Yeah. My records is all alphabetized. Yeah. My books are alphabetized. Yeah. My pictures are all in chronological order. You know, just I like to be able to find things.
0: Yeah, I mean, in my own home, in my life, um, I have everything in a certain place, and that, and and I've always lived that way. Nothing, everything has to be a certain place, and it has to make sense. And I find, exactly. I find if I find if it stays that way that I can I can function and uh I, right and I don't know how any you know again it's unique to every person I could never understand someone not living that way at all like someone not having a certain order to life that would drive me crazy I would not want to I would not want to if you get an idea if you
1: get an idea in your head and you say oh I need this XYZ okay right, right. and go find XYZ and if you can't find it and you're spending all this time looking for it and you're looking at more yeah. and then you get sidetracked and you say, Oh, oh, I remember this. I, oh and, and then you forget why you were looking for XYZ to begin with.
0: Yep.
1: Is it So if you, you know you... where XYZ is, then you can go get it and then you yep. can get started on your project.
0: Well, it's good because it, it's a foundation for other things to happen. If you don't have that foundation, then the things can't happen, right? Wouldn't you agree that you have to have, to have that? <laughs> yeah. have to have that. Because if you spend all of
1: time looking for the stuff that you need, then, it doesn't you know, get done. You,
0: you lose that spark. Yeah. Yeah, you might lose the spark and it might not get done. There's two problems that result. <laughs> right. So in other words, you solve well, it. Up. Yeah. That's true.
1: Well, I have notebooks. Like, everywhere that I sit in the house, I have yep. notebooks, something to write on. Because Yeah. So things just pop up into my head, and I'm thinking, "Oh, what do I need to do?" And if I don't write it down, then I'll totally forget
0: it. When you had this group, the Ditsy Dolls, who were the names of the other women in the group? Or do you want to mention them? Or what? What, what was some? And you also mentioned some um, achievements you got. You folks did. Uh, what was, What well, come to mind? Milestones of that group? Um.
1: Well. We always said that each year we needed to do some type of a charity event to help Mm -hmm. someone else. So we made little dolls that we took in to the children's hospital. So the children that were in the cancer ward, they would have something to hold on to if Mm -hmm. they needed it. Um, We donated little dolls to the fire department so they Mm -hmm. could have something if they were helping a child that was involved with you know, their house burning down, you know, something to give to them. Um, if they had to be medevaced out to the hospital, something to hang on to while they were riding in the helicopter. And we did that for several years. We did um, some dolls. We took a Shel Silverstein poem mm-hmm. and we made it the character of the poem. Mm-hmm. And as the group, all these dolls went around to the local elementary school libraries, Mm -hmm. and they were on display for like a month or so, and the children could see the characters in the books. It was to help promote reading in the elementary age children. Yeah. Then two or three years, we participated in the Festival of Seeds, and it was to help raise money for cancer research. Yeah. So you would have a tree at Christmas time, and you decorate it, and then the tree would get auctioned off. Well, the first year we did it, um, not too many people wanted a whole tree decorated with all these doll things that we made. Mm-hmm. And so next year we did it, and they auctioned off the dolls separately from the tree. And our tree made 700 and some dollars, made more than any other tree. In the festival
0: that year. Wow. Well, you know, if you if you if you want to send send um, some some material on that, we love we love to include it in the um, you know, because when we do these episodes, we always have a a visual. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: but component. The dip was a group of ladies from the Elton, Maryland. That's where we met. Most of the ladies lived right outside of Elton. Some of them traveled up from Baltimore a couple of times
2: yeah.
1: um, for, their, for for our meeting. We met the first Wednesday of the month, and usually we met in the library because it was open to the public, and then we found another little meeting spot at um, a church someplace, and we would meet there. We would have guest speakers come in. Yeah. Um, some of the ladies were very good with um, clay, you know, the um, yeah, the sculpting class. So we would have a class on sculpting. Some of the ladies had taken classes when they went to mm-hmm. the big quilt they have in Texas, and they would learn a technique there, and they would mm-hmm. bring it back and share with us. So it, it was a lot of fun.
0: That does sound like a lot of fun. If you if you motivated to to do that, uh, it's phenomenal yeah. to me. I mean, Maryland itself is really underrated and phenomenal. I mean, that's a whole other subject unto itself. It, um, um, I'm sure you you agree. I mean, many great musicians come out of Maryland, and uh, f- filmmakers, and writers. And um, uh, yeah. is there is there anything more you want to say on the subject of Maryland? I just had actually we just recorded a um an an uh, episode for the podcast with a sound engineer. And he had gone to Towson State um, University, and he was he was full of stuff about that was Maryland related.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I don't know what comes to mind. It's a big state. But, um
1: well, okay. I lived at the very top of the Chesapeake Bay. Oh, okay. So, like in ten minutes, I can be in Delaware. And 10 minutes driving another direction, I could be in Pennsylvania. So I was in that nice tri-state area.
0: Okay. What's the, I mean, what is a typical season? So I know that it gets real cold and real warm, right? But would you say, what would you say? Well, there's
1: four four, distinct seasons. Um, I live in Georgia now. Okay. And seasons are a little bit different here, I think. They last longer in, like the winter is longer and colder, obviously, in Maryland. We got a lot more snow than we do here in Georgia, but it's, you know, it gets hotter and more humid here in Georgia.
0: Mm-hmm. What, would, so, you, what would you say in, in growing up, it could be in the 70s or 80s or, well, 70s, 60s, um, you seem like you were, had so much stimulation in your home. More than you know the envy of many children a lot of children don't don't get to have such uh, abundance or, or um, you know if you not 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 just the agricultural aspect but the uh, you know the working with the hands and the craft um, it seems like you had a lot of a lot of riches from that perspective uh, we're looking on that can you think of a time when you that's inspiration inside of your, I guess, your town or your, your uh, immediate environment. Can you remember the first time when you were young when you were inspired by something out totally outside of your house or something, wow, something that impressed you or made you st- stand up and pay attention, whatever comes to mind involving craft or involving making something? Has anything come to mind when you say that?
1: No, I can't really think of anything because it was just always just a part of me. Oh, you I know, so. it's it was not, always immediate. Some, it wasn't. Yeah, it was yeah, something that I just oh picked up and said, "Oh, I'm going to do this." Now it was just it was just always there. It was always available. My That's mother fantastic. was a big reader. My grandmother was a big reader. So you know, a lot of times I get never really got bored. Maybe just disinterested in this one particular thing I might be doing. I mean, I was that crazy kid that would pick up the dictionary and just read the dictionary. Right. Or I would just go pull out an encyclopedia and lay there on the floor and just look at the encyclopedia and read all these, you know, weird trivia bits. And I, I just thought that was fascinating. And I think I was nine and I asked for a thesaurus for my birthday. I mean, what nine-year-old wants a thesaurus?
0: <laughs> well, when I was nine, I asked for a, a music encyclopedia. There you so, go. So it's sort of similar, and I did read it and enjoyed it. So I guess you would, <laughs> that's that's where you yeah. meet is it that, um, that kind of thing, yeah. You
1: know, and not very many girls want erector sets. I did. Yeah. I wanted to put but, things together.
0: Well, that's interesting. And, so you have you have because there are aspects of your life, of course, that are um, traditionally we would call them feminine in terms of the sewing, right? right. But you also have all this, this, these very traditionally masculine making cars and Erector sets. So you have a very, a mm-hmm. quite, quite a, I should say, comprehensive. Um,
1: and and for I think for, t- for my tenth birthday, I think I, or my 9th birthday, I wanted a slot car, you know, racing thing. Okay. Because my dad used to go up the road and do slot cars when it first became popular. I mean, I think it's done a resurgence and it's become popular again now, but. Yeah. yeah, we had our cars, and we get in the car and go off, and and we do our slot car racing. Would
0: you describe yourself as a car aficionado enthusiast? And if so, is that something? No, you want to no, not at all. No,
1: not really. I mean, I like cool looking cars, but that's about the extent of it.
0: But you certainly man. So that's interesting. Yeah, well, it
1: it yeah, it was just a job. Yeah, when I built cars, it was just a job, and I did. I did target practicing with my father. Um, he worked for the electric company, Delmarva, and they had a sportsman's club, and they had a shooting range there. So I went with my dad to the shooting range, and I learned how to shoot my twenty two and I have my junior marksman's badge. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that, that's kind of like a non-traditional girl thing.
0: Yeah, well, I um, oh, absolutely. It was the '60s. The 60s
1: so.
0: Yeah, also the '60s too is really like half the '60s is a lot is a lot like the '50s, right? So there's yeah. like two '1960s. There's the '60s of like, you know, '64, '65, which is much, much more '50s, as opposed to '67, '68, which is a whole other, other thing, much, much, right, much wilder, right. And you've lived, you've, of course, you experienced all of it. But um,
1: um, I did. Yeah, we grew up on a farm, didn't you know. have a lot of other kids growing up around me. So my friends were the ponies and the dogs and the cats and the trees out in the woods. And I just made my own entertainment. Right. You know, I'd be, you know, that was the era that, you know, I'd leave the house. And my mother wouldn't see me again until it was dinner time. As long as I
0: showed up to eat, everything yeah, was fine. Everything's <laughs> fine, yeah. Well, let me. Let yeah, me you uh, You know, I uh, have so many questions. I mean, not. I mean, I'm not going to ask all of them, but I guess uh, this is going to strike you as an odd question, being a a a, a, a woman who um, has such a rich experience of nature. What were what comes to mind of of something that you learned? by having access to those animals and that, that those kind of environment that you would not have learned had you not experienced all of that what comes to mind something something that you uh, got from all of that probably many things um, just one thing but
1: Leave a gate as you found it. My grandfather pounded that into my head. You know, if the gate's open, leave it open. If it's closed, make sure it's closed when you leave it. That's interesting. So, you know, so, but no, taking care of animals, horses, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of physical work. It really is. But I never considered it work because I love the horses. Yeah. And it was just a part of taking care of the horses. I helped my grandfather grow the crops. I just, if I had a nickel for every hour I spent on a tractor seat, I'd be a rich woman today. Wow. Um, I helped him grow the crops. And I helped him bale the hay and get it up in the hayloft. And, you know, that just makes you resilient and it makes you, I don't know, appreciate things. Yeah. And then there for a while, I was working on the racetrack and I was training racehorses. That's all I ever wanted to do was work with the horses. I wanted to be a jockey. But then they said, oh, girls can't be jockeys. This was in the early 50s. Right. And I'm so disappointed. I said, well, that's not fair. You know, I didn't yeah. think to stand up for myself and do it. You know, an adult told me that, well, girls don't do that. So mm. I believed them. When I wanted to go to the University of Delaware and study agriculture, because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to grow, you know, good food for the horses and take care of them. My guidance counselor said, girls don't study agriculture. You know, here he was yeah. an adult and he was telling me something. And I was so mad that I couldn't sure. do what I thought was going to be my life job. And then when I got a job on the racetrack, I started out at the Delaware Park racetrack. Yeah, It was like, oh, I get to play with the horses all day and I get paid for it. That's it was sweet. heaven.
0: <laughs> so that was kind of a little bit of revenge there. but But I don't know... Um, well, well, what's, so that's interesting. So what, what are some other ways, of course, the race track, uh, race, the race, uh, is an example, but what are some other ways where you were able to, you know, finally get to do the thing and aha, this is finally, no one's saying no to me. What are, so just come to mind a couple of things where you were able to, uh, overcome is the word or sort of achieve some of those goals that society had, um, uh, putting in your way, to, what, what comes to your mind? When,
1: when, I, when I was a young lady going to school, late, young ladies had to wear skirts or dresses. Yeah, They were not to wear pants. I was one of the first girls to wear pants to the school. And I was so nervous about it. I thought I was going to get kicked out of the school or get expelled or something because I wore pants. But my mother made me, my mother was behind me, she said, yeah. She made me a pantsuit, you know, vest and pants yeah. to match, and they were the school colors. Yeah. But I was so nervous about it wearing it oh. that day that I didn't realize until I was standing in the lunch line I had on two different shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I was me. so worried about getting kicked out of the school because I was wearing pants, but I was I was bound and determined to wear pants for the school. That was stupid wearing dresses and shirts.
0: Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs>
1: um, I was a rebel there. I was, I was one of the very first girls to start wearing shirts. I was wow. the first girl. I had wore glasses all my life. And my eye doctor said, oh, we've got these new things that are called break um, glasses. Hmm. And they'll turn dark when you go out in the sun. And I said, oh, that sounds like fun. So I was like one of the first hundred people in the whole United States. At least that's what my eye doctor told me wow. to get these glasses. They were very new, cutting edge. And I wore them to the school. And of course, with the fluorescent lights in school, my glasses were sort of like an amber color most of the time. So, of course, I got teased and ripped about that. Everybody said I was on drugs and trying to hide my eyes and all that. You know, farthest thing from the truth, I wouldn't have known how or where to get drugs. You know, I wasn't even interested in that. And I said, I'm crazy enough. I don't need any help. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> so, I was the first person in school to wear, you know, photo gray glasses. Um, I was the first girl to start wearing my fringe jacket. I was doing some Western horse festivals and I had my riding jacket was a fringe jacket, and I just loved it so much. I wore it everywhere. I was the first girl to have a fringe jacket in school. Um, Mm -hmm. I had a denim mat sack. And you know, everybody was carrying their books in their arms. They'd have the rubber strap around them and yeah. carry them. Well, I had this denim bag, and That's I fantastic. shoved my piccolo in it. And I said, "I'm gonna shove all my books in here." And I, I shoved everything in my book, and I was wearing a backpack. I was the first person in school to do that. Okay. So, all kinds of we you know. So, yeah, there's some things that I've done that, you know, nobody else was doing, I that did it anyway. Very
0: trail, trailblazing. Tra- um, so, uh, Is there, uh, you know, so much comes to to my mind. Is there anything um, that you would like to say here uh, to the listeners about anything that's important going forward in in 2021 is strange time and uh, opportunity and and, and just whatever the rest of it? Is there anything else that's on your mind that you feel needs to be, that you want to express um, in your own words?
1: I think you have to know yourself. And you have to look deep within yourself, your mind or your heart or both, Mm -hmm. and feel, okay, what's important to you? What makes you happy? And you just have to follow your bliss. You just have to do what makes you happy. All of my good jobs have come and found me Hmm. because I've been in the right place at the right time. And, you know, the old adage, if you do what you love, you never work for the rest of your life. Because, like, taking care of the horses, yeah, it was a hard physical work, but it was never really work because it was doing something that I loved, Wow. taking care of horses. horses. Wow. So, y- you really have to, you have to love what you do because you'll do a better job at it and it'll be more satisfying to you. But, like I said, all my good jobs have come and found me. They
0: found you. Wow.
1: Yeah. Huh. I'm just, you know, in the right place, the right time, and open. You have, to, you have to be open to receive whatever is coming your way.
0: That's right. That's really beautiful. I can't really think of a, of a better um, – I can't think of it of a, of a more uh, rewarding or um, uh, better, better way to uh, get towards the conclusion of this episode. It's been really um, – I feel like I've been through all these uh, times with you here, and, and it's a lot to take in, and you've had such a so, – so much um, – um such such an enriching life and and um i i really want to thank you for your well your time in discussing all this and going into the weeds as i say today the details on all of it you're um, very welcome i really appreciate it and make sure that when we you know when this goes to to uh to air to to use an old phrase old fashioned phrase um include some of these things you want to share some examples if you don't mind of some of the some of the things we talked about that would be really great, if you know. It, my I mean, body like body, anything, anything that you think is important. If you, if again, on our show, if you think it's important, we'll share it. So, all right. Um, so, I want to thank you for all of it.
1: Well, you're quite welcome. Thank you.
0: And uh, have a good weekend. This weekend.
1: All right. It's going to be good weather, so that'll be good.
0: Yep. You say.
1: All right, you too, Mitch. Thank okay. you. I
0: don't like goodbyes, so I'll see you soon folks. Thank you.